Welcome to Proudly Asian, a podcast series that tells bold and proud stories of Asians by Asians. I'm Isabel Wong, a financial journalist who wants to uncover the many Asian stories around us that are waiting to be told. There's never just one way to look at Asians. This podcast will take you through a deep dive into the life stories, struggles, and triumphs of young Asians around the world. On today's episode, we have Ravi Prakash, a 29-year-old Hong Kong-based Indian software engineer from Patna, the capital city of Bihar, India. He's also the co-founder of healthy butter brand Spreadable. He will be telling us about how growing up Indian shaped his personal beliefs and why he does not mind getting racist comments. Welcome to Proudly Asian, Ravi. It's great to have you here with us. Thank you, Isabel. Uh, it's actually great to be here. Uh, I, I, I'm getting a chance to tell my stories. Yeah, I mean, good. it's it's our pleasure to get to hear your story because as a friend um, of yours, I also don't know much about your story. So it's a very good chance for me to get to know more about you because um, for for our audience who, who don't know, like we've been friends for... A, a couple of years now, at least. And I still remember the first time I met you, um, which was from a previous job. Um, he was a colleague of mine. And he he would always have this beaming smile <laughs> that catches everyone's eyes. And I mean, that's what caught my eye as well. And um, you were wearing this like tight-fitted um, white jumper that sort of shows that you work out or you're healthy. And at the same time, you were pre- you were heating up a healthy lunch that was prepared by yourself. That was my first impression of you. Um, but, you know, two years on, you still have that beaming smile, but are you still healthy? <laughs> not, not really. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, COVID have changed a lot of things. And uh, one of the things is how active I am or how much working out I am. That has been changed quite quite a bit. Mm. But yeah, I, I still cook for myself. Okay. It's, uh, it's one of the things. I like it. And today you might still be wearing the same jumper that I saw you or I met you for the first time. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I, actually I pick up uh, similar clothes all the time. So it, it maybe it's the uh, same. I don't remember, but uh, similar style. Yeah, I but usually pick up the same thing. If it works, it works. So yeah. it makes it easier. Like you don't have to spend so much time in the morning to choose exactly, your exactly. I, I don't need to decide what I'm wearing because I know what I bought already. Mm. So it's very easy. Just put on everything, whatever you have. It's gonna suit. Anyway, but today we have a very jam-packed agenda because I have lots of questions for you. But why don't we get started with a brief introduction about yourself? Um, first things first, tell us about your background. Um, who are you? Um, what are you? And where did you grow up? Sure, sure. Uh, so I'm originally from uh, uh, one of the state in India called Bihar, and uh, I grew up in the capital city of Patna, actually. Uh, mm, to to exactly point out of about myself would be uh, I I come up with uh, like really uh, middle class family like typical middle class family maybe lower class family in India uh, I grew up really poor there and uh, uh, you know the situation where you have uh, limited choices to make like you know uh, either you can do A or B or uh, there is no many choices. You can 
pick up same career which your neighbors are picking up your cousins are picking up uh, you cannot go really divert of that so that's exactly what happened with me uh, i i started um, i completed my schooling in the same places uh, and then i think i i left i started living by myself like a independent person quite early age uh, around uh, i think 14 or 15 year old i think i was 14 i don't remember exactly yeah so what exactly happened is uh, uh, i picked up a career engineering like uh, because the reason was there is no, not much option either you're going to be a doctor or you're going to be engineer if you are a rich person go become a doctor <laughs> if you don't have enough money just become an engineer there are a lot of engineering college you can get into that so that's what happened i i decided okay i want to do that and for that i need to move away from my from my hometown because there is no good places to actually prepare uh, for the entrance exams that's why i started uh, living by myself pretty early yeah things worked out pretty well uh, now i'm working as a full time uh, software engineer uh, i think that was a good decision yeah the money is good money is good <laughs> The good thing about software engineering is uh, it doesn't get affected by covid to be honest uh, for last two year to i think i realized this thing that uh, around other people who i met or who i uh, interact usually uh, they have been keep complaining about oh yeah the covid has been uh, eating their salary uh, eating their opportunity and stuff like that or then they need to switch the jobs and stuff thing stuff like that for me uh, for last two year i'm working from home pretty comfortably uh, no need nice. to go to office yeah and i know you you moved to um you moved from um the city to a house that's near a beach <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> so uh, uh, it's one, one of my hobby is uh, to do water sports actually mm. uh, back back in the day before pre covid i used to go to bali for 3 4 months actually uh, sometimes 3 months or stay just stay there Uh, go for surfing and uh, that time i used to have a long hair <laughs> i was i was totally living a hippie life uh, but yeah uh, just before just before the before covid like around end of 2019 i realized yeah i'm i'm getting old <laughs> <laughs> well for for everyone's reference ravi is 29 <laughs> yeah <laughs> well uh, that time i was i was entering in uh, you know the era called uh, late 20s so now i cannot even say that oh yeah i'm, I'm in early 20s <laughs> so that was one of the soccer for me and um, uh, just uh, just before i i think i i was turning 27 or 26 i don't remember exactly mm-hmm. i i cut my hair and become really highly professional guy side part haircut rather than a hippie man one <laughs> i get rid of that but how does that lifestyle um fit into perhaps the um society expectations or expectations from your parents like uh, are they liking how you lived your life because i i do know that um in the asian culture or asian context um you know parents opinions or comments are very important to most people yeah uh, so uh, for other places or other countries uh, we have this perception that whatever you do the individualistic thoughts whatever you do is more important than uh, than what your family is doing or uh, if I, if i say it in a different term a single person what he is doing is more important than 
uh, what his family is doing actually. This is not the case for Asia or typically this is not the case of case for uh, Indian family or in India actually. Uh, for them, how society perceive you or your family uh, does matter a lot for them. Uh, right now, uh, my younger brother as well, he is living outside India and he's finishing uh, his master's in Germany. Uh, for my for my parents, it's like, oh yeah, it's a good thing to tell the society. Uh, all of my kids are pre doing pretty well. So their, their perception has been, uh, in the society, their perception has been changed totally. That, oh yeah, they, they raised their uh, children well. Uh, for me, it's 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 normal thing. Like, oh yeah, you find a find an opportunity to uh, work in a different country. You started living there, and it's fine for our generation. It's fine, but for their generation, it's a thing to tell. Uh, other people come to them and ask for the advice. Like, uh, how did that happen? Uh, what do you need to do? Or let's tell tell my kids as well uh, how hardworking your kids was, or things like that. So it does happen over there. Right, so they would you say they're incredibly um, proud about you being a software engineer? Because of course, this is one of the hottest um, professions currently, and um, not just in India, right? Like um, in other Asian countries, we're we're increasingly seeing parents saying that um, they need to send their children to coding schools rather than um, you know sending them to like piano lessons or um, you know some traditional um, hobby or interest groups. Oh uh, yeah. Um... It's uh, it's not. I mean, for 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 an Indian family, it's not quite different actually. Uh, IT has been uh, quite popular in India, uh, or especially uh, like com computer science. You gonna find a lot of people who study computer science. I I have a I have a personal thoughts about it that uh, because the computer science can switch your lifestyle very fast. One day you you don't have a job. You study for six or seven months, and uh, pretty much you can find a job and uh, you can get a better salary, and it can change your lifestyle. Because of this understanding, uh, people realized this thing uh, like early early two thousand. Uh, that time when Y two K happened. If if you if anybody knows that, <laughs> I can give a little bit context on that. So basically, uh, in back in the time, uh, the computer was designed to hold only two letters for the years. Like uh, 1990, rather than saying 1999, they just say 99 or 96, 97, something like that. When the 2000 happened, uh, they needed to change that format and needed to put 2001 rather than just one. Because of that, uh, what happened that a lot of software needed to be rebuilt or need to tweak at least. And exactly same time, uh, Bangalore, like one of the city in India, uh, had a lot of uh, people who were actually working on IT field. And those all jobs get uh, sent sent to India. And that's how the IT got boomed up in, in Bangalore. It first started in Bangalore and then it spread out in whole country. So and because uh, the IT was more become more popular in early two thousand because of that, uh, the government picked it up. That oh yeah, this is this is the bo booming industry and a lot of industrialists also picked it up and they open up a lot of uh, universities to teach people how to how to study computer science or how to code or things like that. So the engineering college started to build uh, more and more and because of that, uh, more people realize oh there are more engineering colleges why not go for engineering 
and that's that's the cycle happen and when there are more engineering college then there are more engineers getting produced and uh, they are getting better salary and better job and other people are looking at it and then they are going to the same university again when the university see that there are a lot of people coming in they build more universities and that's how the cycle moved and uh, yeah the it become boom so yeah coming to your coming to your point that is it a unique thing not exactly it's not a unique thing but looking at the at the population and the economical uh, diversity in india it's it's quite popular mm. it's quite quite a thing that yeah your your kids or uh, your members of family are working in in software engineering Of course like when it comes to um stereotypical um image about Indians people would obviously sort of associate you guys um to being in IT being software engineers so because of this image like people tend to think when they when they look at Indians or when they meet an Indian person they would just immediately assume that person might be in IT for whatever reason but in your view professionally um with your experience do you think indian engineers are actually better than engineers from other countries or there there's no such thing okay, th- this could be quite controversial actually yes uh, <laughs> uh, i in my personal opinion and it it's totally my personal opinion and that's totally influenced by people i have worked with till now i have seen a uh, really good indian engineers as well uh but the because uh, for last last five five year i'm working in hong kong and uh, i i meet different engineers as well uh, i worked in india for two year and uh, that i found some good one i found really terrible one as well uh but yeah in my general opinion i have i have seen that uh india does have a lot of engineers or a lot of programmers but when you see the quality like one one person is changing a lot or the quality of uh, engineers i don't find there they 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 do have a numbers and when you talk about the numbers if you if i say 1% people are really good engineers that's like a general statement like everywhere you go 1% people going to be really good into their job another going to be uh, mediocre or maybe bad as well so i i see that uh, if i say 1% uh, we have a maybe million people in a uh, million engineer in india and 1% translate to how much uh, 1000 mm. maybe it's wrong uh, 1000 yeah mm. uh, but when you see how many how many uh, developers or programmers are in russia that you will find oh yeah they they only have 1000 maybe or maybe more my numbers are totally my guess and just trying to convey the yeah. idea so in that 1000 one person going to be uh, 10 which translate into the quality uh, when you see that uh, yeah i only interacted with five russian programmers and they are they are really really good so my per- perception comes like uh, yeah russian programmers are really good and th- that's one of the one of the thing for me that uh, india does have a lot of developer it people working in but they don't have quality if you look into different different places you're going to find a quality 
Right. I'm only um, bringing this up because obviously um, it's, it's not because that's how I think or, you know, that's how I feel. But a lot of the times like, when we're in a room um, of people and then someone has some IT or software related issues, they would always be looking at the Indian in the room. I mean, it's just it's just sort of like the whole um, biased um, mindset of people like everyone has biases. And um, some people would have the kind of bias where they think um, only a certain people do a certain thing. So this is um, something that I've been wanting to explore, and um, this is why I brought this up. But <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, sure. Wait, wait a second. So I, I can tell you more about this. Uh, okay, so when when you say that the Indian person do IT thing, does Indian people say that? Indian people in India, does they say that that all the Indians are doing IT thing? No, no. Not actually, really. it's like non-Indians. Non-Indian. Or when you look at memes online, exactly. So non-Indian people think that Indians do IT thing. The reason is. Uh, if the person is working in a different sector, there are going to be really low chances for them to interact outside India. So only those people who are working on IT or in the programming or development work, they, they're going to have very higher chance to actually interact with interact with other people. Take an example of uh, Stack Overflow, maybe. Uh, it's Stack Overflow, uh, if people don't know that, it's uh, one of the question answers uh, platform uh, where you can ask a question and uh, people pretty much around the world they can access and they can answer your query on the uh, mostly it's for IT or programmers so you can ask their questions and anybody can answer it does that this kind of thing exist for somebody who is working in uh, uh, let's see FNB like food and beverages if somebody is working in that sector that similar things exist no it doesn't so if some person is asking a question from India, maybe a small town in India, let's take an example of my small town, like Patna. From he, he's typing some questions and some guy, he, some guy who know what exactly he's saying or he, what exactly he's asking and he's sitting in Melbourne, he can answer from there. Uh, but similar thing you say, like if, if somebody, somebody is confused how much curry powders he should put inside inside his chicken chicken tikka masala. Uh, he cannot ask that question to somebody who is sitting down in UK or in Berlin, maybe. Yeah. So so the person who is working in IT, they get more chances to to actually uh, explore outside India. And that that's one of the reasons is uh, uh, people think that all the Indians work in IT. And that, that stereotypical actually applied to me as well. Right. Yes. And I work in IT. And um, getting back to our gender, obviously you just mentioned um, how it was like growing up in an Indian household, um, how that sort of influenced um, your decisions um, later in life. But I would also like to do a deep dive into how did growing up in an Indian household inform your personal beliefs? Uh, okay, uh, so I so these are these are one of my thoughts, like. Uh, the way you grew up uh, or the way you have been raised going to affect you really, 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 really long time. It's, it's not going to go away, uh, including uh, how much financial security, uh, how much financial stability, stability you need to feel secure, uh, which kind of uh, person you choose for your life partner or uh, what 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 exactly do or what's your what's your thoughts about spirituality your uh, thoughts about uh, having a connection with other person or or how do you live your life it's going to affect uh, for a long time uh, i 
I see this this thing is turning for me as well. Uh, I have noticed one of the pattern and uh, why I'm mentioning this because I I hang out with uh, different different person who have been grow up differently in India as well or outside India, and I talk to them and then I then I realize one of the thing that uh, a person who grow poor uh, they gonna feel uh, secure, financially secure after a huge amount of money. And a person who have been grown rich or grown well off, uh, they tends to feel secure really early on the low numbers. Uh, like uh, I have noticed this that uh, some of my friend who are uh, who are like dirt dirt poor. I I would I would tell you why I'm using that word dirt poor. They they are dirt poor and they they don't feel secure till uh, till maybe they get a million rupees uh, or. Uh, in, if I translate into uh, Hong Kong dollar, it could be hundred thousand. So they, they don't feel secure unless this amount of money in their is in into their bank account. I have some friends who are well off, and for them, ah, yeah, I get a salary, fifty thousand dollar. Let's spend all. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> so I have noticed this this thing, and it it have affect me as well uh, because I I grew up in mediocre family. It I have noticed that uh, I don't feel secure. Or for me, the security terms come on really high, and this is one of the effects uh, you get, I think, uh, when you grew up, grew up there. So, in one of the notes that um, you sent me before the recording, you you mentioned um, about personal beliefs. So, you there was one point that mentioned you said people are gonna take you as a rude person if you give them your rational perspective, and that's okay. Can you tell us more about um, where that comment comes from yeah sure so uh, as i was uh, telling you before um that uh, i i i started living by myself quite early uh, around i was 14 and uh, because of that i needed to handle everything by myself uh, there was nobody to actually take care of you uh, whatever you do you do make your own decision and because of this attitude i actually learned uh, to be a rational person quite quite earlier time uh, and uh, when later in, like in right now if you see some person are doing something and you can relate that uh, yeah I have been into this situation before and you know that how you dealt with and then uh, your rational thoughts get triggered and then you tell tell the person that what's the root cause or what you are doing wrong and it's very very hard like you know that what's the root cause and you cannot cannot stop yourself to actually uh, tell tell person that exact exact thing and then uh, they they tends to uh, tends to take it like oh yeah why why you are being rude uh, why you are telling me exact thing because most of the people are very used to get uh, like a soft answers or get very sugar coated answers and this is one of the thing which has been changed for me uh, most of the time when i see when i see an issues or when i when I want to say something, I would tell it directly rather than uh, mixing, uh, basically mixed signal or uh, saying in the sugar-coated voices. And I expect other person to tell me the same same way. You know, the earlier when I told you that uh, I, I find that Russian programmers are pretty good, there is a reason for that actually. And that comes to this uh, being rational and rude. Uh, most of the time when I work for, with, the, with the programmers who are 
I, I would say non-Asian. Uh, basically, I see this pattern in uh, Asian countries, actually. So when I work with non-Asian developers, uh, their attitudes are, uh, okay, this is wrong. Change this one uh, and send me for the review. That's how uh, I get feedback, which is very helpful. Like, oh, yeah, this is wrong. I need to redo, redo the whole part. When I work with the uh, Indian developers or most of the time in the Asia as well, uh, I see this same same pattern in a local uh, local developers as well like the one from hong kong or the one who grew up in china as well they tend to be little uh, kind of a passive they, they don't tell you exactly what's wrong they will say ah oh, this part uh, maybe maybe it can be done other way or it can be done in different way they're not going to upfront tell you that this is wrong change it for a for a technical person this is a crucial uh, detail like you need to get okay this is right or wrong like for for a developer it's either if or else uh, there is no in the middle so you tell me if it's right i i will uh, approve it i will deploy it or something if it's wrong i will hold it so this is one of the thing i have i have seen um, in the in the developers who who are non-Asian. That's why I said that I found Russians are pretty good in that. They, they're going to tell you on the face that it's wrong. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that that's how uh, it have have happened with me, that if uh, if there is some rational points for you, uh, tell tell the person. Uh, if you're receiving a rational thoughts, take it, think about it. Uh, if it's rude, you don't need to think about that it's rude. Uh, maybe it can sound rude or... Uh, but by the end, uh, the the point you are trying to convey or the point you are receiving, if it's correct, it's correct. There's no no workaround on, on that. I can definitely relate to what you were describing there just now. But I do have thoughts um, both professionally and personally. Because um, professionally, um, I worked in broadcast for, for quite a few years. And the communication style is actually quite similar to um, what you just described with software engineering. Because it's like sometimes it's like about fixing bugs. Um, um, for TV, it's like what's wrong, you have to specify very clearly and um, whether or not you're going to have a guest or whether or not a segment is happening it's either yes or no for live tv like yes then you go as planned and if it's a no then you have to quickly think of something else to to fill the airtime, right? So, which um, eventually when I transitioned um, into a professional environment that's not um, broadcasting or that's not like live shows, um, I I so it sort of um, occurred to me that people were not really taking that kind of communication style really well if they did not work in um, a broadcast environment. Because like for me, the way I talk is just like, okay, are we going to have this? Yes or no? If no, then do something else. If yes, good, go as planned. But yeah, eventually um, during my career, I did sort of realize some people would find me rude for saying that. But but in fact, I was trying to be practical, right? Like if we don't have something, then it's good to know ahead of time. Then we have, you know, time to put together something else. But on a personal level, um, I've been reflecting a lot in the past year because um, I also I also have been thinking about, okay, how come there were frustrations or, or some situations where maybe perhaps I didn't get along with um, some people professionally? 
and maybe perhaps it's because the kind of communication style um, from their point of view, it was rude. But to me, I was just basically being helpful or practical. Um, so eventually during COVID, I picked up a bit of like Buddhist teachings as a way for meditation to relax myself or to gain some other life um, perspectives. And um, I could not properly explain the kind of idea because I, for now, I'm not a Buddhist um, expert at all. But I did sort of pick up some concept about how like different people are sort of in different courses um, of life. And I mean, I could be um, here and the other person could be there. But if you're not in the same, like you're not in sort of like the same phase or stage of life and whatever you tell that person, that person might not be able to understand you just because you guys are just in completely different spaces. So that somehow helped me to sort of like minimize the frustrations when, um, whenever I'm trying to talk to my friends or my colleagues and they don't understand what I'm talking about. And back in the day, I would be like, are you stupid? How come you don't understand what I'm saying? But these days I'm like, okay, maybe they are just flowing differently in a very different point of life where um, we don't see eye to eye. But maybe eventually if they are due to see what I am talking about, they will. I should not force it. So that's that's the kind of concept I picked up over the past year. Yeah, that, that uh, to be honest, in the in the IT world or in the developer world, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, you know, we, we have a thing that whatever your thoughts are, whatever you are working on, just write it down. And we have a famous term called RTFM. It, it's it, what what it, it means is read the fucking manual. <laughs> whatever is written, read it. Uh, you don't need to ask the question. First, read it. What is written, and then, then let's talk about further. So the phase thing or the state thing you talk, you said that in the Buddhist teaching they have. Uh, yeah, it doesn't translate yeah, into it's technical more, it's more at for, all. It's more for personal, for sure. Yeah. Like for professionally, I still try to um, stick to that very straightforward communication style. I mean, I still feel that people find me, especially with Asian colleagues, right? Like they don't expect you to directly tell them this is wrong and please change it. They would be like, okay, who are you to tell me to change my mistake? But I feel like um, maybe when you work with more like a Western community or workforce, like they, they appreciate that kind of communication because yeah, yeah. it saves everyone's time. But yeah, here in Asia, like when you tell the other person directly what needs to be done, they either don't respond or they will be like, oh, okay, why are you telling me to do this despite knowing that's what we need to do to move forward? Yeah, that's uh, the straightforward actually. I'm, I'm really... Uh, a really big supporter of productivity actually like you you want to see your time and how much you are doing uh, how how less distracted you are on the work and you are coming to the point i'm i'm quite a big supporter of that and <clears throat> the straightforward communication actually boosts the productivity you don't need to process you don't need to be really into uh, uh, what do you say like the in a different emotional state to understand a person, what he's saying. Is he angry when he's saying that this part is not wrong? Yeah, you don't need to think about it. He said it's not, it's wrong, just go change it and bring it back. So you don't need to convey that point and it saves a lot of time. It saves, saves a lot of your emotional state as well. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, when, when, you, when you remove the, uh, a comment on your work is not a comment on you. 
it's one of the part like you need to think about it the comment on your work is not a comment on 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 you when you remove these two things you become highly productive actually yes. you started to see that oh yeah this is the thing i'm doing this is the work i'm doing and that could be wrong that doesn't mean that ravi is wrong maybe the the code he is, he have written in this city <laughs> it's a bad code it it's not good uh, but that doesn't mean that i'm a bad person it's just my work is bad so you need to separate this part yeah for sure and um yeah of course um on a side note i, I do know that um when some people is um some people might overuse the the phrase of like don't take this personally before they start saying something completely <laughs> terrible to the other person but yeah um definitely i agree with you about that whole straightforward communication style this is why i guess this is why i get along with you <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and um yeah actually on um just now when we were talking about your personal beliefs right you did um mention how the way a person grows up is going to influence um that person's life decisions or the person you know um what he understands or not and um on that i i do i do have a bit of kind of like a thought because i i do agree that how a person is brought up where that person is brought up has a far reaching um influence on the person's adult life um and one of the examples um that would stand out to me it's a very um random example but it's basically a person's understanding about maybe arts and cultures right and like in asian culture or at least when we joke about asian parents we would always mention how asian parents tell their kids um not to study arts because it's a discipline that doesn't earn them any money um later in life um and the disciplines that asian parents like are accounting law medicine or these days maybe software engineering um coding IT but what's interesting is when we socialize as adults people do judge based on how much other person knows about cultures and arts like for example you would hear maybe comments like oh so you don't know who basquiat is um what's wrong with you so people judge in a way based on how similar or how different the other person is to them and i would like to bring up that's exactly what affinity bias is all about because not to say it's bad um because we all have biases right but knowing the fact that just because someone does not know much about what you or i am expert at it doesn't make the other person any less than you it just means the other person probably was brought up completely differently or grew up in a completely different location yeah yeah sure sure so so, so on the comment of art actually uh, i i i i do have belief in this that the way you have grew up and how you perceive the art as well it's really really connected unless unless uh, later in the stage you started studying actually arts and uh, started looking into deeply and then maybe your perspective will change uh, my understanding of art because why i'm saying my understanding because i also grew up in a place where uh, people don't encourage you to uh, study arts to be honest uh, this is how it goes uh, in in india that if you are really smart you started studying science and technology if you are a little bit less smart then you pick up accountings and if you are dumb <laughs> then then get, get the arts and go move <laughs> with your life that's how it worked over there so yeah uh, but uh, but after after uh, lately in later stages of my life i realized that art is not actually a dumb thing uh, it's uh, it's a tool to to tell 
to basically it's a tool to uh, tell your emotions out. Like how how are you gonna tell person how you feel from the words, uh, from whatever environment you have around. How are you gonna how are you gonna communicate this uh, internal emotions? You don't have words for every emotions. You don't know how to explain this. Not all the time people are either happy or sad. There are some emotions which is in the middle or maybe far beyond the happiness. How are you gonna explain this? For those things. Uh, the arts comes as a tool mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, e- even if you if you look like uh, if some person have uh, translated his his emotions into one art that emotions can go uh, maybe centuries uh, decades more than for a long time actually it can go we are still looking at the painting of mona lisa people are trying to decode like what was the emotions inside when he was drawing it or yeah so that's how the art comes and the same for the culture the thing is when you grow up uh, if you have a limited choices to do in your life which was the case for me uh, i never looked at the art i never understand art uh, the reason was you don't have time to understand about the art when you are let's take an example that you are working in an agricultural farm do you do you really have time to look to getting bothered about uh, there are some painters who are making painting of melting clocks salvador del so if, if do you need to bother about it no you your worried is how i can bring the uh, bring food on the table so because of this dynamics uh, i was in the similar situation when i was growing up i was more focused on getting better career and become becoming better in financial uh, financial situation in my life and i never looked at the art I think I never looked at the art till till I actually graduated or or find a stable job. Yeah. Sure. So that that have been impacted me as well. Yeah, as as I um re- relating to the point I just raised um now is that whether or not someone understands for example art, it really depends on you know the stage of life the person is um how the person's brought up or even the priorities of of um his or her life basically. But Moving on, I would like to talk a little bit about how you ended up moving to Hong Kong because you somehow ended up in Hong Kong. Um, how did that happen for you, and what's your first impression of the city? <laughs> that that that's okay. Uh, so uh, I moved in moved to Hong Kong around two thousand seventeen. Yeah, the January of two thousand seventeen. It's around around this day. Yeah. Um, So what happened exactly is I was it I worked I worked there for two years. Uh, yeah, after graduation, I worked there for two years. And uh, you know, when when you get an increase in your uh, from one position to another position, you started becoming greedy, and that's what exactly happened. I started becoming greedy, and uh, every time when I go for new new job or look for new job in interview, I ask them. Some of the perks that I I think I should deserve, and uh, after going through multiple uh, multiple interviews, multiple job, I wasn't satisfied at all. So uh, I had a I had three friends in in Hong Kong earlier. Uh, they were my my college seniors, and um, I, I was kind of a continuous contact with them. Then I 
I, I, I told them the situation that this is what happening and they said why don't you move uh, outside India and try to find find something for yourself or trying to try to settle somewhere else this is this is the time when it triggered me like yeah yeah why what's the point I'm uh, holding up here like I, I'm looking for my career growth and I'm getting stopped by these thoughts that I should stay stay in the same place where I was born or same place where I, I grew up so I started looking into the, this I, I got a couple of uh, very quickly actually uh, within one or two months I got a couple of offers from uh, from Germany from uh, Amsterdam uh, and from Hong Kong so once I got got the offer I talked to my friend I told them that uh, this is the situation and they said why do you want to go to Europe? <laughs> What's the point? You should come to Hong Kong. We are here. Uh, you At least you know a couple of people. Uh, if you go to Germany, you don't know anybody. Uh, so why don't you come here? Uh, we also have low ta taxes. <laughs> that was the trigger point for me. <laughs> he said, we also have low taxes. And that, that dude didn't tell me that. What's the situation of real estate here? <laughs> and how much you need to spend? He said, oh, yeah, we have low taxes. And I understand his point. Uh, that time he was he was in university, so he he didn't have a, a real sense of spending as well. So he said, uh, why don't you come to Hong Kong? We have low taxes as well. So that point, like, okay, let's let's go to Hong Kong. So that that's what happened. And that's how I ended up in Hong Kong. The, the first time when I came to Hong Kong, uh, that, was, that was during uh, Chinese New Year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was the week of Chinese New Year. And uh, uh, it was quite cold as well. And first time when I came, I see all the shops are closed. There's nothing. Uh, everything is closed. Uh, nobody's on the street as well because it, it, in Chinese New Year, this tend to happen. Everybody is out. Nobody's on the street. And the sky is gray. I was quite, quite, I was feeling quite weird. Like, what, what's going on? Like, there's nobody. I, I saw a lot of videos and some pictures from Hong Kong. I'm like, where are these things? And... And that time, what happened? Uh, I I booked a place in um, in Mong Kok. Uh, this is where I can find something uh, very quickly. So I found a place in Mong Kok. I I stayed there for two days, and uh, in that two days was during Chinese New Year. And I see nobody. And when I read online, it says, "Oh, Mong Kok is quite crowding place, and every you're gonna see a lot of people." And I see nobody actually, and. I was quite shocked actually. I thought, oh yeah, that that's gonna be pretty pretty bad. What kind of Hong Kong did you arrive to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was quite a different time actually. Uh, I I didn't realize that it's a Chinese New Year. I didn't know that it's a Chinese New Year. But when you first moved here, were you aware of the cultural dynamics of Hong Kong? Not really. Uh, I had I had no idea. Uh, I thought it's gonna be just a, just a normal city, and that the Hong Kong was the first time when I was uh, moving away from India. Mm. I never been in any foreign country before. Right, because um, of course Hong Kong um, to many people they they think Hong Kong is a very multicultural city um, where well of course the majority of um, the population is made up of um, Chinese from various backgrounds. Um, it could be like Hong Kong Chinese, mainland Chinese, or uh, Chinese Americans and um, Canadians as well, and expats who are mostly um, white professionals and ethnic groups, also including Filipinos, Indonesians, Pakistani, Indians, and Nepalese. Um, but 
But the the very the, the very issue of like racial divide does exist, and people with lighter skin, such as white people or East Asians, are viewed uh, relatively more favorably. And while people with darker skin, such as um, South and Southeast Asians, are often subject to racism and negative stereotyping, where like you would hear comments about how like brown people are all bad guys, right? Like, have you actually experienced this yourself in Hong Kong, and how do you think of this? So earlier, I I didn't realize this, but uh, with time, when I started working here, meeting people, then I realized, yeah, there there is a there is a bias against Indian people. Uh, actually, I can tell you tell you tell you a story about it. So, and this happened two times, not not one time, not two times actually. It happened multiple times. Then I then I noticed actually. So uh, there was one time. Uh, me and a couple of guys from from the office uh, we were waiting for uh, waiting in front of the restaurant to get a table uh, to get sit down you know usually in hong kong uh, in during lunch time the restaurant get really crowded and we were waiting for that so this dude he said okay uh, and th- this guy is indian and he said uh, uh, okay let me let me get a beer while while we are waiting and he walked to the to the counter and he told the lady that, uh, can I have a beer, please? And she replied that, we don't give a beer to Food Panda. <laughs> okay, so so what exactly happened? And we were standing uh, right right next to him and we started laughing. Everybody started laughing. Uh, so the thing is this, uh, most, most people when they see uh, Indian person, the first thing in Hong Kong that comes in mind that, oh yeah, maybe he works for works for Deliveroo. <laughs> so the moment he asked that woman for a beer, she thought, oh yeah, this guy is here to pick up the food. So so she made a comment, and we started laughing. Later, I, think I was I was with you. Um, oh, maybe yeah, that, yeah. That day you were there. for <laughs> maybe remember. one of the lunches because we were going out with a few more people, and I think maybe one of them was Indian, and uh, I thought. Yeah, maybe he wanted a beer or he was trying to check on the table. And then without saying a word, um, the, the restaurant owner already gave him this Food Panda, which is a delivery app, <laughs> paper <laughs> pack. But I mean, on the bright side, it, you, you might get free food out of these because uh, they yeah, don't ask yeah, you any definitely, questions. Definitely. <laughs> you know, you know, one, one time it happened with me in Causeway Bay. So we were planning to go for a hike and uh, a couple of guys were waiting for me. So I thought, okay, let me let me get a breakfast and then then I will come there. So I went to the restaurant and uh, I told them that. I, I didn't say anything. I just went inside. And before I say anything, the guy says, oh, here is the package. <laughs> and he was frantic to the delivery. For a second, I thought, okay, I should pick it up and go. <laughs> Free food. <laughs> Free food. Yeah. So the biases comes, actually. Uh, I think it's uh, it's one of my personal beliefs, actually. Uh, I... I do see people get biased, and uh, my personal belief—I'm not sure if it's supposed to be like that—but my personal belief is, people uh, being racist is and biased is actually a natural thing. It's supposed to be natural for a person, you know. Uh, for a human being, it's in in earlier time when they were like a nomads and cave people, it was very important for them, uh, uh, for them to to survive and uh, to have a perceived perception for 
for any stuff. Like you go out, you should have a perception uh, why the bushes is moving. Like uh, what's the noise coming from the uh, from the backyard or from the back or even a quarter mile away. What's the noise? You don't perceive correctly, then probably it's a tiger. It's gonna eat you. So because of this perception, uh, people tends to have this. Uh, this bias when a person looks differently from you and like oh yeah this is a stranger person uh, he looks totally different than me let me find the negative thing first and then i will then i will go go further uh, you know that uh, probably you must have realized this that negative news goes really fast than the positive news because we need to be uh, sure that there is nothing wrong first Good thing will come later. I need to make sure that there's nothing wrong. It's a genuine response from a human being. So that's what happened. So so when when you see a different person, you make a perception. And now the perception comes with either positive or negative. And that depends upon your previous experience. That's why I say being racist or biased is totally normal, actually. Totally natural. It's going to come naturally to you. If uh, see, see it this way, that like... Uh, my parents, they never traveled outside outside India or like all of, most of my family members, they never travel outside India. They never seen uh, a, a person, let's see, from Mongolia. So when, when they're going to see a Mongolian person, they're just going to see, oh, yeah, it's just uh, Chinese people. Or they never seen a, seen a, a Filipino before. And if they look at them, they they're gonna see this thing. Oh, maybe it's a Nepalese, or maybe it's a Chinese. So it comes with the perception that how many people you have met. And this this is the same same part. Like because media tell you a totally different story about India, and they, when you meet an Indian person, which kind of Indian person you have met before? Have you met all the Indian person who work with the IT? Then you're gonna think that uh, yeah, all the Indian person uh, works in IT. These restro people, who they have met, they have met uh, an Indian person who comes on a motorcycle and uh, pick up a food for food panda. So that's how they know them. So for them, it's, it's a natural response, and uh, it's the same same thing. Uh, le- let's uh, let's see. There is there is a woman in Hong Kong, like a in maybe in New Territory. Let's let's take an example of a woman who is living in New Territory, and he, she rents a house. She lives in the same house and maybe upper floor or lower floor, she rents to somebody. It's happened to be an Indian person. Let's, let's take an example. It's happened to be an Indian person and she rented the house. Now, uh, an Indian person going to cook curry, to be honest. They're going to cook spicy food. I cook spicy food as well. I like spicy food. And I cook spicy food. Uh, Hong, Hong Kong cuisine is not spicy friendly at all. Uh, they have a mild, mild flavors. And she see that, uh, yeah, the Indian person, what they do is they play music which is bollywood music uh bollywood music is loud quite fast as well we tend to listen loud music it's it's okay while we are eating dinner or while we are discussing something so her experience comes on an indian person that oh yeah indian person is uh, cooking spicy food which can make you very uncomfortable uh, with the with the smell going out or spicy things going out or he's gonna listen loud music so next time when she meet me or when she meet similar looking a person who is like me, uh, Indian looking person could be from Sri Lanka, 
as well or it could be from pakistan or uh, maybe yeah maybe from middle east some of the middle eastern somehow they look like an indian person so when they see them their perception is oh yeah it's an indian person and uh, he he listen loud music which had a bad experience for her so her perception would become like a uh, every indian person going to be like that so let's stay away from 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 them and don't rent them rent them our apartment yeah for sure like every time i have heard these stories um from some um student dorms as well like whenever they smell someone cooking something you know it smells really strong they would always um without even looking at the kitchen they would be like oh it must be that brown guy cooking exactly. or how like um they could they would see a brown person let's say that brown person grew up was born and and raised in non you know outside asia for example like united states or the uk but then without that person um starting to speak the person would already be like oh you have an indian accent but in fact maybe that person does not <laughs> have yeah, an indian yeah. accent i i had a, a i had a colleague in in office one time and this dude he looks 100% indian and when i saw him uh i when I, actually when i talked to him uh, for the first time uh, i thought he he didn't grow up in india or maybe he's not from india and i i didn't see it really appropriate to ask him that where did you grow up or where are you from because i was working with him so i didn't ask him anything after 3 month uh, we are hanging out and we are talking more and more and then i realized he actually grew up in my city <laughs> just next to my city <laughs> and, and he said ah oh, no uh, uh, i think uh, so their parents were in the in the their parents are diplomats so he moved around uh, uh, different countries and uh, most of the time he spent in us and uk so he had a different accent as well i mean basically he learned english there so he definitely going to have a different accent i learned english in india and i have indian accent mm. so he had a different accent as well so i had i had this perception that yeah he maybe he just grew up there you know second uh, second generation uh, or maybe third generation i don't know but i mean um obviously you, you take a very relaxed approach in terms of racism or any um, racist comments directed at you but were there any times when you were a bit offended or for example hong kong people um for forever reason like they don't actually have a reason to think that but then somehow they would think oh only indian people go to chunking mansion um have you ever encountered that kind of um <laughs> yeah, comment yeah. all right all right let me give you a little context so so uh, okay people who don't know that the chunking mansion is one of the hub for indian food uh, the reason is uh, most of the places most of the indian restaurant in hong kong they are tweaked to local people uh, and the restaurant in the chunking mansion they are not So if you want to find the authentic authentic Indian food you got to go to Chungking Mansion. So this it um it happened around around then maybe around 2 years ago. Uh so I was walking in a park with one of my date. <laughs> so I was walking uh, I was walking in the park and see see that speak Cantonese. So I was walking there and uh, uh usually I'm not really uh, a pet person like i don't see if i see a dog i don't try to i try to stay away from that it's one of my nature so uh, this lady she was walking the dog as well and suddenly the dog uh, for some reason it started to run towards me so the moment it started to run towards me she made a comment uh, in in cantonese and uh, i didn't understand that 
I don't speak Cantonese. Uh, but the girl explained to me that what she said. And the comment was, uh, it, that comment was to the dog. Why you are running to the Chongqing mansion? Oh. So, so, you see, so she was referring me as a as a as a building <laughs> where there are a lot of Indian food. Symbolized Chongqing yeah. mansion. Yeah, yeah, she was symbolizing me. That that was kind of weird actually. Uh, uh, that time, uh, I mean, slowly I do realize that it's uh, it's not it's not correctly. I I shouldn't take it softly as well. I should take it seriously. But um, yeah, it's I I tend not to take it. I take I try to take it lightly. Like uh, you're not gonna change uh, much. You not you cannot force people to change their thoughts. Basically, that that's my thoughts. Uh, with with time, it's gonna change automatically. Uh, when you will uh, see more and more people in the different different stages, and if, when you will see more and more people doing something something apart from cooking an Indian food, <laughs> then you will realize that, uh, yeah, there could be a different person. And it's not coming towards me, actually. It's coming towards her that she don't know that uh, there are a lot of places where Indian people go. Uh, there are uh, there are a lot of Indian people who don't eat Indian food every day, actually. <laughs> so they don't need to go to Chinking Mansion every day. <laughs> yeah. So maybe with time, she will learn that, yeah, uh, there are, there could be some difference as well. Absolutely. And this is the entire reason why I started this podcast, Proudly Asian, because I would like um, for, I mean, even different Asians, they would have misunderstandings about each other. And I would love to just create a platform for different Asians to be understood, to tell their stories um, to the world so other people could understand their viewpoints as well. A lot of the times, like, misunderstandings happen when when one person assumes that's what the other person thinks while the other person does not even reach out to communicate his or her thoughts uh, about a certain issue. So that's when they, they get stuck. But since you were talking about um, how the date that um, you had spoke um, Cantonese, um, I I do know that you currently you, you have a girlfriend who is a Hong Konger. So um, how has it been for you in terms of um, dating a Hong Kong girl? Um, dating in Hong Kong is not not easy, to be honest. Uh, and th- th- there is a reason for that. Most of the young people, they are not looking for uh, something serious. Or they are not actually focused on relationship. They are more focused on career, becoming uh, more stable in their life. And... Being an Indian person as well, it's kind of a, it's hard. You talk to any Indian guy, you say, oh, yeah, it's very hard to find a date here. Uh, the, the reason is, you know, because of these biases, uh, people tend to think either uh, a brown-looking guy is, uh, is a bad person or poor. <laughs> so when you, when you look at look a, look a white guy, uh, you think, yeah, yeah, he. I have seen all the Hollywood movies. All the white guys come. He's a prince, and he comes. He comes on a. He's come, he comes on a horses, and uh, he's a rich person, which, which could be totally different as well for an individual. But of course, uh, currently your girlfriend is uh, from Hong Kong, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so she, uh, she's from Hong Kong. Uh, she was born in born in UK. Uh, she grew up there, I think, till till she was ten or twelve. I don't exactly remember, 
but yeah uh, i think see so the 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 thing i was talking about that you need to know the culture before or person or type of person before you make uh, your perception this is what happened with her uh, later i realized that uh, she does interact with a lot of lot of indian in in her job uh, she does interact uh, she, she went to india as well so probably that she had a different perception from me <laughs> rather than other 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 people she teaches yoga so uh, it's ten tends to have a uh, lot of colleagues who are from india who are mm. teaching yoga but um do do your parents have any um comments about um how you have a girlfriend here in hong kong for for them it's uh, it's not really different as a race actually where she come from they are just happy that uh, i'm into relationship or i have a girl just this is enough for them uh, because uh, they they never interacted with uh, any any i wouldn't say hong kong girl i would say chinese because for them uh, people who look like chinese they're all the whole asia is china for them <laughs> this is this is the perception and the reason is uh, they never met different uh, asians they never met uh, a male and chinese girl or a hong kong girl for them it's they are just happy that i have a girlfriend and i'm at least heading somewhere <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um I was only asking it, uh, because um a lot of the times uh Indian families would put together like arranged marriages for for their sons and daughters, right? So I was wondering if like your parents would be like, why are you dating in Hong Kong while we already have someone lined up for you? <laughs> okay. Uh, I I can give some context on that. So so you know it's it's one of the uh one of the thing for indian person that they tends to marry uh, where their parents find their bride or groom whatever uh, the the thing is it it's actually depends upon the individual person uh, i have seen this uh, this thing so i i can give you an example Let, let's see if a person is doing mba in in their uh, early 20s or late 20s he's doing mba and mba is quite expensive things to do and he is taking a lot of money from their parents they bleeding the bank account from their parents uh, in this term uh, the parent have their parent have control on their kids like they're going to listen to them like what, you you have taken a lot of money from me like real cash not the small thing which uh, children take when they are growing up like real cash so in that term uh, what happen is uh, the individual indian person they tends to uh, lean on their parents and they started to listen to them and they tends to not develop their own uh, own individuality and because of that they gonna they gonna listen to their parents and their parents are like oh yeah uh, i have found a bride for you or groom for you you should marry them and they gonna listen to that and kind of a kind of a aligned with the indian household as well because in indian household there is no concept of individual person it's a concept of family so when you are marrying a person it's not that you are marrying a person you are marrying the whole family it's it goes like this at least like as you just mentioned um individuals are not um seen as importantly as you know like family as a community in india 
I just want to uh, zoom into another topic, which is about like gender equality in India. Is is that one of the contributing reasons why maybe women are not seen as important as men? Um, or how do you view the entire gender dynamics in India? For me, uh, it it can be made very personal opinions actually, uh, because a lot of people see it slightly differently. Uh, I I can tell you, I, I can tell you real deep deep on that. So basically, um, you say when when we when you see uh, Indian person, who do you um, mentally see that a person who is working in a company who is working in the in a in a corporate sector as a IT professional as a manager maybe some somebody is a doctor and stuff like that but that's not the India there are 1.2 billion people it's going to be 1.3 soon a huge number of population are everybody is working in corporate no if you look at the statics you will realize that uh, only one percent population of India actually pay taxes and uh, which means the the tax base which has been set up for the government is uh, is quite low and still people are not making so there is a huge number and uh, when you, when you say uh, that what's the gender equality you're going to you're going to get biased if you look at the corporate you're going to get biased totally because you are then you are talking about only 1% or 2% or maybe a little bit higher you are only talking about those people. You are not. Talk, you are not talking about eighty percent population who are, who are in the, in the village or who are working somewhere else. And as far as I remember, the sixty-five percent of the Indian population lives in the village. So when you talk about gender equality, you should include those as well. And when you include those as well, the the whole dynamics get changed. Uh, there is no concept of Indian uh, gender equality in India. To be honest, this is wow. this this is going to be very happy, and uh, I'm telling you, it, there's no no concept of gender equality. And uh, as an Indian man, how how do you view? Um, of course, um, how much we see of India, as you mentioned previously, also depends on the kind of stories that get picked up by international media. Uh, but um, the kind of stories that we do see a lot about India uh, would be, I mean, this is a very heavy topic, um, but like. Like and, rape and cases, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, of Indian women, or like uh, it just it just creates a, a certain perception that like rape happens a lot in India. How do you view this? Uh, the the rape, the number of the rape cases doesn't happen, uh, that high, or it's not that brutal. Yeah, there is there was a couple of cases which were pretty brutal, and the media picked it up, and. Uh, uh, it become a hype, basically that time. Uh, but uh, in general, it's not that way. People tends to think that there are a lot of rapes happening in India, but it's not. Uh, it's not exactly. Uh, but crime against women, uh, you can put multiple category in the crime crime against women. That's not low. And why I'm saying this that. Uh, even even the cases, the rape cases, which get picked up by international media, where does that does those race, uh, rape cases comes from? It comes from big city. It doesn't come from a far village. There's no media over there. There's nobody to cover their story. The crime against women, which is happening in India, it's not only happening in city. 
in city even it's happening quite less because of the education and people are pretty much different in in city you know there is a there's a term called uh, bharat and india basically if you translate the india in hindi uh, the country name is bharat and uh, there there is a there's a thoughts about it that some person comes from india and some person comes from bharat which is same country what what is the discrimination here is uh, uh, a person who cannot speak english who don't have much uh, understanding about world or outside india they are from bharat and the person who tends to go to social media and rant about it they are from india so uh, when you talk about gender gender equality crime against women you should include those as well and those doesn't get reported the major problem over there is uh, because it's it's it comes to the family pride so if something happen they tend to hide it because if they tell tell it to the world or they they go to the police and they say something uh, other person going to notice that as well and it's going to be very hard for their family so the concept of individuality get merged with the concept of concept of uh being being in a family mm-hmm. yeah definitely um crimes against women um I, i think that it's quite relatable to a japanese society as well because um those crimes most of the time like it's not like they don't happen but they just don't get reported enough but well thank you so much for your insights um that was quite educational but um now moving on we are going into the segment of rapid fires <laughs> So in this segment I will be asking my guests um biased questions they have got asked at some points in life and also some common biased questions Asians get asked a lot in general. So Ravi, are you ready? Yes, sure, sure. Let's let's bring it up. Let's get started. So why do you date when your parents are going to find a bride for you? <laughs> Because I'm an individual person. Are you here to pick up a food panda order? Oh yes, yes. Can I have one? <laughs> do you eat curry every day? I do like curry. I don't eat curry every day. In India, does everyone play with snakes? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, but they they are started playing with mobile phone actually. <laughs> <laughs> you are a software engineer. You must be a boring and shy introvert. Ah, sure, sure. No, no. Uh well I'm here talking to you it seems like I'm not shy <laughs> <laughs> and what's the difference between african and indian do you see the difference <laughs> that that there was I, i should have mentioned this one earlier actually okay let's let's get to this one later do the signature indian dance move the concept comes with that take a bulb and try to try to screw in first in the left and first in the right and then right it's going to be indian gesture of dancing so that's just a quick tutorial of bollywood dance moves <laughs> are you pakistani oh no and don't say that to an indian person only indian guys go to chonking mansion and they are all bad guys oh no no everybody goes to chonking mansion actually chonking mansion have uh, i think most diverse building in hong kong you can find every ethnicity in in chonking mansion taking about all southeast asian uh, some africans as well probably that's why people get to mixed up with what's the difference between african and indians 
<laughs> yeah, so I, I, I mean, honestly, um, these are the, some of the questions that Ranvi got asked at some point in life um, for this rapid bias segment. And I, I must say, I was surprised that you got asked some of these questions. But um, to wrap up the conversation, I know that you started a healthy butter brand with your girlfriend, um, Spreadable in Hong Kong. So can you tell us a little bit more about it? Oh, yeah. So as, as you mentioned before that I was quite health conscious when, when you met me first time. I'm still health conscious, actually. So uh, because of that, I was I was using some typical spreads. Uh, I was on keto as well that time. And when I was on keto, I used to buy almond butters from U.S. And or, or also buy some pecan butter from U.S. And Later, uh, what happened exactly when I met my girlfriend and it was COVID, everything was locked down. We were just staying at one place. Uh, I tends to happen a bag of pecans with, with me. And uh, I thought, okay, what, what we can do with this? And she suggested me that uh, yeah, you can try, try making some spread out of it. Then I started reading about it, how to do. I started looking into cooking shows as well. As as you know that I like to cook as well, so I started looking to that, and then uh, then yeah, we we made a small batch from my blender. To uh, the blender actually broke down <laughs> during, during the during the almond butter. The blender broke down. Then we decided, okay, uh, we need some different setup, and that's how we started actually. Uh, uh, then we we thought, okay, uh, we made a couple of batches, and I gave to my friends because I had. I had some pecans left in my left in my house, so I gave it to my friends, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good." And one of the guys suggested that uh, you should try to sell it. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, why not? Let's let's try to do this." And uh, that's how it had a transition. And uh, finally, uh, in I think around September, yeah, finally in September, uh, this uh, in two thousand twenty-one actually, yeah, we. We registered our company and we started the factory in Kowaichung. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's going well. And we, where can we find you? Oh, yeah. So you, you can, so we have a website, uh, spreadable.com, and we have listed all the shops you can find. We can directly order from our website as well. Or we have a retail shop. Uh, one of the retail shops is in K11, the, the art mall, not the, not the, not the fancy one. <laughs> One of one of the locations is an art mall as well, uh, so you can buy there as well. Nice. And finally, to end um, the conversation, what does it mean to be proudly Indian, Ravi? Yeah. So the moment you start to uh, define yourself as a define only yourself, not not with the with the post of your family, I think that would be the moment of pride, proudly Indian. Uh, when you separate yourself, uh, separate yourself from from a community, and you become a strong individual, rather than saying that I have a four-person family and they all do this, you started to say that I do this. I think that would be a proud moment nice. for a proudly Indian. That's a very strong message too. Um, end the conversation with thank you so much for being with us here Ravi and I can confirm that just because you're a software engineer you're not boring and shy <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks Isabel <laughs> 
that's it for this episode of Proudly Asian. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at proudly.asian for more content. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Signing off for now. I'm Isabel Wong. This, 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 this.